Hello and welcome to This is Calvary, a place for encouragement, camaraderie, and practical steps for spiritual engagement. My name is Caroline Whitman, and I am with Pastor Johnny Cummings. Hello. Good morning. Good Caroline, morning. how are you doing? I'm pretty good. good. I'm yeah. feeling like tons of energy. Are you? Yes. Wow. Yes. Um, I have had a pretty busy summer up to this point. Okay. And I've been helping at the high school with the soccer camps. Yes. Soccer camps are over. Yes. I preached yesterday. I don't preach for a while. Mm. So I'm just feeling like... This is like just, the... Yes, open fields. Vacation <laughs> yeah. feeling. Oh, it's, been, it's been a super busy last like six weeks. Yeah. And um, feeling a little bit of a space this week. So. But you've already shared on the podcast that you don't just like leave that space empty. Yes. So what do you do when you feel open space? For this week, it's pretty open. Um, okay. I'm, I'm, so what we're... Well, actually this afternoon we're going to go... Um, <laughs> we went to last year for Noah's birthday. We went to Go Ape, which oh, is yeah. like that outdoor uh-huh. like um, high ropes course. Yeah, yes, yeah. Did you do and, the zip lining and the the middle school yes. did that two years ago? Maybe yeah, a year ago. We did, yeah. and um, it got rained on, so they gave us a free voucher to use Sweet. for a year. Okay. That year-long voucher expires today. <laughs> so we never hey, managed to take years' worth of time to give back. So his birthday's today. Ah. So this afternoon, uh, just me and him and Isaac, actually, are going to run over there. We reserved a spot, and we're going to go over this afternoon and so celebrate fun. his birthday a little bit. So That's so fun. Better yeah. than, like, noticing that tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, right? well, we tried. We actually tried to go yesterday, and oh. it was, like, booked, and we're like, they're expired tomorrow. Like, oh, they really meant goodness. a year, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. Year. Anyways. So, That's so fun. Yeah, so, anyways, how are you? I'm good. Yeah. I'm kind of, I'm, I'm, I have less energy to surprise you. <laughs> <laughs> So feel free to share yeah. some of that. That'd be great. Yeah, I'll try that. I'll try to do that. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, uh, good. We yeah. have with us uh, Alan Bernthal. So, Alan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you here. And uh, we're in the middle of a our series on good work um, and interviewing just a number of you and our church family about what you do for your vocation, for your job, and... Um, <clears throat> And we had an idea. I don't know who is who gave you the idea. You said someone shared with you, or is I your should, idea? No, I don't remember who it was. A yeah. couple of people were mentioning someone, like we yeah. should do. Yeah, yeah, sorry if it was you, and I forget. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll edit in the credit yeah, later. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, Thank uh, you, Claire. For <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So someone had recommended to Caroline. You know, really should interview someone that's retired. And, um, Alan, you're on the elder board and I just know only through the elder board, um, and talking about your process of retirement, you know, was I aware of that? So I was like, I think Alan would be, so it'd be great to interview if he's, he's willing. So thank you uh, so much for joining us today again. Glad to have you. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Yeah, there we go. So we usually start off, uh, with one of our first questions being, um, just kind of, who are your people at Calvary that you most connect with? So helping other people kind of know, you know, where you kind of fit in the orbit here. Um, so maybe kind of how long you've been here, what brought you to Calvary, um, who, are your, who are your people <laughs> here? So, Well, my wife and I have been attending Calvary about 11 years, and uh, we generally go to the first service. So our group of people have been predominantly the first service people there and kind of know many people over the years grateful for that during the second service i've been involved in faith and friends and uh, that's one of the calvary adult bible fellowships and that's been another great opportunity to get to be with the same people week after week Mm. and get to know them a little bit better and then peg and i host a small group all right um, about three mondays um, a month during the school year. And those friendships have been really valuable mm-hmm. because there you really go deeper into each other's lives and have more opportunities to pray for each other and uh, hear each other's passions. Mm-hmm. And then, as you mentioned, I've been part of the elder board. And that has been a great privilege uh, to work with men that really love the Lord and, and uh, have a real heart for his church. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, great. Okay, well, thank you again for joining us. 11 years. So I've been here 
12 years almost. And so we kind of came right at the same time. I think I kind of remember you being new here and coming. Okay. Uh, I remember why someone, because you guys came from the vineyard yes. church. And so yes, I remember someone saying that. I don't know why I remember that, but it's in my head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, when you joined um, Faith and Friends, were you just, when you first purchased, because you have a leadership role in it now. Yes. When you first, were you just kind of joining as just a participant and then kind of came into the leadership role? Yes. Actually, um, I participated in Faith Builders. Oh, okay. Which was one of the early oh, ABFs. That's right. Yes, that's right. That's right. Later on, that merged with Friendship Class. Yes. Yep. And uh, <clears throat> at one point, excuse me, at one point I was asked to uh, give leadership to Faith Builders. And then when the two combined... I was asked to give some leadership to the combined ABFs. Right. So, um, yeah, that changed two kind of smaller ABFs into a bit of a larger one. Yes. And But that was good. That was a good merger of uh, two different groups of people. And I think people have appreciated, after the initial adjustment and change, um, getting to know other people yeah. than just in their own prior ABFs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's great. I shared earlier uh, with Caroline and um, that your son, Dave, um, is one of the coaches at OPRF for the soccer program. So I've gotten to know your son, Dave, pretty well. Yes. So I've really enjoyed that. He coached uh, Isaac, my oldest son, uh, played uh, last year on the JV team. Well, no, two years ago, I guess now, because we just had a spring season his sophomore year. His freshman year, he played on the JV team. And had Dave <clears throat> as his head coach and really yeah. enjoyed Dave a lot. Oh, that's great. So, yeah. 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 So that's been a fun connection, you know, to your family. So anyways. Yeah, he's enjoyed that too. Yeah. 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 He was at the camps this, this summer. So yeah, it's been great. Well, why don't we uh, get into our content uh, for this specific podcast? And, and we start off with um, the first question, what did you want to be when you grew up? So when you were a little kid, what's your earliest memory? Oh. <laughs> This is what I wanted to be when I grew up. That's, that's a good memory. <laughs> it, it has died a bit. But I grew up in a suburb of St. Louis. Oh, okay. So I wanted to play for the St. Louis Cardinals. Oh, yeah. and, uh, that's why Dave's a Cardinals fan. I didn't realize that. He kept talking about the Cardinals and Cubs, and I'm like, this guy's driving me crazy. It's, you know, it's, <laughs> I'm talking about the Cardinals. But now it makes sense. A, I'm more sympathy. Yeah, it's a great, great story because all of our kids, of course, were raised in the Chicago area. And I never tried to make them Cardinal fans. But somehow, our oldest daughter really never got interested in sports much. But the other four avid sports uh, fans and, yeah. and players. So somehow, those four became Cardinal fans. So it's been something we've enjoyed. And they've gotten a lot of flack for that. Oh, as they've gone through Rightly school. Rightly so. I mean, come on. <laughs> but that can solidify the loyalty. Yes, know? that's right. Oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. That's a little right. bit of persecution unifies the that's group. Yeah. Totally. No, that's totally the truth. They're true blue. Yeah, that's for sure. But it's something we can enjoy together. Yeah, that's awesome. And the Cardinals have had some success uh, during those years, some World Series and that. And uh, <laughs> so that's been real special for them and for me. And the way the Cardinals are playing this year, I still may have a chance to play for the Cardinals. <laughs> they're, they're, they're struggling. Oh, they're still they, time. they may need me. <laughs> the dream is still there. That's awesome. So did you play baseball then growing up? Some baseball, softball. Yeah. yeah okay. And football. Okay. Yeah, so. Oh, nice. Very good. But later on, I wanted to be a farmer. Oh. Yeah. My, my were mother. Were you near a farming community where you grew up? You... Well, my mother uh, grew up on a farm in southern Illinois, and that was about an hour from our house. So it was fun to travel to my grandparents, milk the cows, oh, drive yeah. the tractor, oh, you know, collect eggs you know, from the hen house and, and all that sort of thing. One summer, I spent a week there uh, with my sister, and I didn't want to go home. Oh, <laughs> I, awesome. I wanted to be a farmer. Yeah. So, How old uh, are you then? You know, I think I was about 10. Yeah, something that's like sweet. that. Yeah. What do you think about the farm life was really like alluring mm. to you? Well, you know, growing up in an urban environment, being around animals mm. is great. And then when you're out, at least in southern Illinois, you see just a ton of sky. Yeah. The fields are beautiful, things are quiet. Mm. And uh, 
you know, for a kid to be able to be out on the roads driving a tractor by himself, <laughs> I mean, that was a dream come true. Yeah. Because every kid wants to drive a car. Yeah. And the tractor is pretty uh, yeah. close to that. So Totally. Yeah. So those are my two dreams yeah. when I was a boy. That, it's so interesting, the, just those contrasts of the quiet, you know. And the bustle. Versus the city, because it's like, I just feel so schizophrenic in the two. Because it's like, <laughs> I really love the two so much. Because yes. like, we lived in a rural community when we were first married, Christine and I, in, in Michigan. And there's parts of that I absolutely loved. We lived in a one of the side farmhouses we rented on 600 acres. Oh. You know? But then it's like, there's so much of the city I just love so much. You know, we we drove our dog down last night to the dog beach. And just like getting in and out of the city. I mean, I know, we just love that too. But I love, you know, both. You know, Yeah, and ideally everybody should have an opportunity to experience both the urban and and the country, I think. That's a good way of saying it. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. That's good. So when you went off to college, university... What did you major in and, and what kind of, at that point, was like, okay, not sure I'm going to be a professional <clears throat> baseball player. Maybe at that point you're like, I'm not going to get the farm from grandpa. <laughs> you know, so then you're like, this is what I think I want to do, you know, going into university. What, was you, what did you major in? Where did you go? Well, my, my path was a little bit different than most people. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I went to a Christian uh, grade school. And when I was in either 7th or 8th grade, the, the local Christian high school had a vocational workshop. So you could go there, I think it was on a Sunday afternoon, and you could go there and sit on three different sessions. And I think they had 20 or 21 different uh, vocations, professions, jobs that you could learn about. So as a kid, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. So I picked lawyer pastor and doctor. So I went to the lawyer session, the pastor session, and, and it really did nothing for me. But the, the one by the Christian doctor I sat in on, that session, it was like a, a switch flip for me. And uh, I left there pretty much convinced I wanted to become a doctor, which was in retrospect, I think God doing that. Mm. Because up until that point, I hated science. I didn't like science at all. And, and here I go to the session, and I decided I want to become a doctor. So, uh, you know, I never really veered from that. So when I went to high school, I picked math and, and science classes, same way in college. And that was kind of my path into medicine. Mm. Wow. And you, uh, so when you graduated from university, where did you go to university? I went to Valparaiso. Valparaiso, University. okay. And so yeah. when you finished there, you went right into med school, or did you take a break? Or No, I went straight to Loyola Stritch School of oh, Medicine, and okay. that's how I got planted here in Chicago. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay, so you went to Loyola. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Um, and so, obviously, I learned a little bit about med school. Well, good friends with the Riegers, know a little bit from that, I guess. But also, um, Louisa was uh, a psychiatrist, which... I probably should know this, but I didn't realize psychiatry had to go through med school. I mean, I knew mm-hmm. it was a doctoral degree. But, um, and so knowing that there's like a f- an array of specialties you can kind of choose going into med school, because you don't choose at that point. Do you choose? Yeah, you choose like a couple years in, right? Or what is that? Well, like? when I decided I want to be a doctor, and I started going to the public library as a boy back in seventh, eighth grade, I started checking out books on the anatomy of the body and the physiology of the body. All of a sudden, I had this interest. And I loved reading about the history of the great discoveries Mm. in the field of medicine. You know, anesthesia, antibiotics, and all those great, great discoveries. And very early, I was fascinated with the abdomen. Because the abdomen has so many different organs. And in my mind... I wanted to be a surgeon. I liked the idea of scrubbing up, gowning up, and actually getting in mm. and working in the abdomen. And that really was my goal for 10 years until 
my uh, junior year in, in medical school. And I was about ready to sign up for a surgical residency at Loyola in Heinz when I found out the surgical residents were spending 100 to 120 hours a week <laughs> in their residency. And Peg and I had been dating about three years. Okay. And when I finished medical school, I was hoping she would marry me. <laughs> that was the plan, at least. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and also, we had become involved in a church plant, and they had some great friendships there. And I realized the 100 to 120 hours a week would not be good mm. for starting a marriage um, or being involved in our church. So I made a tough, tough decision. And I actually decided to not go into surgery. Mm. That was a tough one. Because wow. that was my dream for about 10 years. Wow. 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 Yeah. So I went into internal medicine instead. And um, that's a non-surgical field, adult medicine. But later on, after I finished that training, I still had that interest in the abdomen. And I did additional training in gastroenterology. And gastroenterology is really the field that deals with diseases of the abdomen and the esophagus, um, but not in a surgical way. Okay. It does use scopes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And many people are familiar with colonoscopy mm -hmm. because of the screening for colon cancer yes, and that. Right. So, in a sense, God gave it back to me, mm -hmm. that area, and also using my hands, mm -hmm. but not in a surgical way, more yes. with the more like endoscopy. Still the precision and the like zoomed in on a very specific Yes, spot. yeah. So more of a specialized area of, of medicine, which I very much enjoyed. Yeah. From my understanding, the um, residency expectations have trimmed down. Because I hear yes. stories of like the old days. <laughs> I mean, not that, when I say, oh, it's not even that long ago, where the crazy hours for residencies and I, from my understanding, they're like trying to like trim it down a little bit because it was so unrealistic. Yeah, they've actually made made laws. Yes, okay, know, so that is, um, that's a thing. I thought it was. Yeah. I didn't know there was laws, though. But they were not <laughs> present when I was trained. Yes, that's so. what I'm saying. I think I think some of you that went through residency, you know, had, I mean, I, it's, I can't even fathom the hours. I mean, Brent even, when he went through, I think it was more then, and it's less now even. And the like, hours you, that he talks about it's like how is that even sustainable <laughs> you know yeah it's, it's a bit of a trade-off because the more hours you spend the more things you see yeah. the more decisions you have to make in that so uh, by trimming back the hours you do lose a certain amount of experience but it, it's probably a more sane way yeah. to go through training and how Many of those hours are you sleep deprived and only observing, yeah, like right. <laughs> yeah, well, totally. a fraction of what totally. you. Yeah, one of the when I was looking into surgery, one of the programs you're on call every other night, and the night you're on call, oftentimes you'd be operating throughout the night. So you know you barely get sleep then the the next night, and you're back in the the saddle then. So yeah, yeah, yeah we had a. <clears throat> guy in our small group who started residency and he's an er doctor and his like first night was like the fourth of july oh no two, like a year ago oh. <laughs> so it was like you know he's starting the er with hands blown off and oh, like you know in the oh er yeah. it's like wake up call to you know yeah, <laughs> this is what it's gonna be but, baptism with fire yes that's yes. right that's yeah. right when you tell that story about choosing like pivoting from surgery mm. do you still feel a little bit of what if or do you have you come to peace with not you know over the years occasionally i would still have dreams yeah really yeah i would say the way you said it made it still feel like it was a real yes you know? i wondered <laughs> yeah okay but no regrets no regrets, no regrets. Yeah, yeah, yeah 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 that's good that's but good. in the middle of the night occasionally i would have dreams that i was in my surgical residence yeah. <laughs> oh wow funny Funny. Um, Caroline and I have, I think, a specialty to dig. And so we probably need to keep the conversation. Sorry. So yeah, well, we, we both, we can find like like 100 questions to like one thing. So Sorry. We'll try to like, right along. No, yeah, we'll try, to, we'll try to keep moving here. Um, uh, so, you know, just thinking into like your profession now, um, 
tell us just a little bit about, did you work in Loyola your whole hmm. career? Did you ever do your own practice? You know, kind of what did you do throughout your career? Yeah, I actually started a private practice, which was a privilege. It's not as common right anymore. Away. Yes, out of right. my training, oh, okay. well. I did. And did that for a number of years. I got pretty busy. I took on a partner, had a partner for a number of years. And eventually he left the practice. He had some medical issues. And I ended up in solo practice when I retired. Oh, wow. But I had other doctors that would cross cover with me on weekends and on holidays. So, so it worked out well. I still had the coverage. I could get away for vacation and things yeah. like that. So, And did you, um, was your practice always here? Where was your office? It was in Berwyn. I was in Berwyn. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And the whole time? Yeah. My three hospitals were McNeil in Berwyn, LaGrange, and Hinsdale. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. And mostly, sir, would, so would, in a private practice, I don't know this, you don't have to do hospital rotations or anything like that, right? You do have hospital patients. Oh, you do? Okay. So yes, you're still uh-huh. going on. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Um, so then, you know, part of the main, you know, obviously reason we, we thought of you was retirement, you know, yes. and this whole idea. Um, and so I'd love to, you know, just hear you kind of talk about that whole <clears throat> process um, and what went into like timing and, and what did you think about, you know, um, what you wanted to do with this space of life? And obviously you're continuing on with leadership in a church in retirement and finding meaningful engagement there, the class, the eldership and other things. But yeah, just maybe like, maybe we kind of focus on the retirement you know, season or, or pre-retirement even maybe, you know, as, just as you were approaching it, what were all the things going in your mind as you entered that phase? Yeah, my best friend other than Peg Um, we had kind of tracked together for years. We went to the same college. Uh, We both went to Loyola. Fortunately, we were accepted in in the same programs. Um, We ended up doing the same um, residency at Heinz Hospital, internal medicine. And um, when we were done with our specialty training, he went into nephrology. I went into gastroenterology. Uh, we set up an office together. And uh, he ended up retiring three years before me. So he kept telling me, got to retire, got to retire. Uh, you're going to love it. <laughs> so, but I, I still enjoyed what I was doing. Yeah. So I continued practicing. But it was the early summer of 2018. I was visiting my mother and my sister in St. Louis. And we were sitting out on the patio having breakfast, the birds were chirping, the lawn was green, (laughs) the flowers were in full bloom, the sky was blue, and I had this thought. I had this thought, you know, it would be nice a year from now that uh, maybe I could enjoy a whole summer off just like I did during elementary school. (laughs) And uh, so over the next year, I took the steps, and having a private practice, it's it's a little more complicated than just giving notice on your job. So I had to find a physician to take over my patients and, um, and a lot of other details uh, involved in closing down a private practice. But I did that, in, in, and by God's grace, the Memorial Weekend, um, next year I was retired. Wow. And uh, so that was a blessing. I would have to say... Uh, there's something I'm very grateful for, and that was I loved medicine. I enjoyed it all the way to the last day, mm. to the last patient, to the last procedure. It was wonderful. And the next morning I woke up, first day of retirement, <laughs> and I thoroughly enjoyed retirement. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, it was an amazing thing. Because I didn't know how that would actually turn out. I thought right. maybe I'd go into withdrawal. It had been yes. 48 years since I started medical school. I thought, you know, this might be kind of hard. But, uh, you know, I haven't regretted the decision, haven't looked back. And uh, so that's an extra blessing to have enjoyed it to the last day, my, my profession, and now to enjoy retirement. 
Are other transitions in your life, are you pretty adaptable to them? Um, I think so. Yeah. I think so. I, you know, when you decide in seventh and eighth grade what you want to be, mm-hmm. there's a certain path that you follow. So in some ways, it's a little brainless. You know, you're kind of told you have to take these courses. This and, is next. This is yeah, next. this is the next step. So that makes it a little easier. But, yeah, I think, I think I've been able to adapt over the years. Yeah. Yeah. When you went into the, that last day, you know, of work mm-hmm. um, in that profession and seeing patients throughout that day, seeing your last patient, walking out of the office, like, like and bring us into your mind. And yeah. Your like, what, what was going on there? It had to be, feel heavy. You know, it felt mature. Yeah. It felt <laughs> good. You know, it, it felt, that's a great way of saying felt it. right. Yeah. And, and it felt right mm. uh, as well. So um, I think God had just prepared me. Mm. And to spend a year to get to that point, um, there had been a lot of thought along the line mm. doing that. It wasn't just a quick decision and yeah. the, the jolt. It was a time of preparation and decisions and yeah. steps. And did you feel as you're seeing those patients on that last day, did you just feel like an extra measure of presence in those moments in those visits or maybe a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. Surreal I think it was, a little bit. Yeah, surreal, a little bit uh just grateful. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's good. And yeah. when you look back on your that kind of the forty eight years um from medical school until retirement, like what were the the as you're kind of thinking of when you say mature that I, I think that's a sweet word for that moment um but what were the, the kind of things that were highlights to you throughout your profession mm-hmm. that really when you're retiring like you're literally walking out of the office so to speak handing back the keys whatever um what are those like moments in your profession and maybe like the highs and the lows obviously without names but maybe like situations that come to your mind they're like man this gave me so much fulfillment this was so hard and this produced this moment of maturity yeah i think god gave me some key people uh those years i mentioned my best friend larry Mm -hmm. um i was always kind of an idea sort of fellow he was a hands-on so god blessed us early on with a medical building that we could purchase and um, that was kind of my idea. I was kind of the, the go-getter to get us going on that. But Larry drew up the plans uh, for the building, and he kind of tended the building over the years. So very practical. If we had a roof problem, he was on it, oh. you know, and all those sort of things. So it was just kind of a neat, neat partnership. Uh, we also, there was a lady who had kind of finished raising her kids and she was looking for a job and uh, uh, she came and we needed somebody to take over as our office manager as our practice was growing but she hadn't any any experience before and I was hesitant to hire her (laughs) but Larry said we need somebody and that was kind of Larry my my good friend Um, very practical kind of guy let's let's give her the opportunity her name was Rose, and uh, she turned out to be just excellent. She worked with me then until I retired. Very faithful. Wow. So, you know, those were two two great things. Eventually, Peg worked in my office, too, part-time. Oh, okay. So that was wonderful. Larry's wife did. A number of our kids worked in the summers <laughs> in the office, so it became kind of a family thing. So I think that was very special. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's cool. And... You know, as you kind of project into um, retirement, what were, did you think about this is, these are the kind of ways I want to live into retirement. Like what were the, um, you know, when you're coming from a decades of what you might say is like meaningful um, investment into God's world. Like this is like what God Mm -hmm. wired you to do to be a medical doctor to care for people and feel a sense of like satisfaction in that and then to step away it's like what were the 
what were the things in your head that like, this is how I want my retirement to be shaped? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think it does. Um, I think there's a sense that there's seasons in our lives. And um, yeah, I think retirement is a season. And there's some very special things about it. It may be a while since you remember being in grade school and having summers <laughs> off. It's kind of nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's a little bit like that. Yeah. Uh, every day is kind of like a summer vacation day. Uh, but we, we really try to uh, stay connected with our family. Fortunately, four of our kids are in the Chicago area. Uh, all 10 of our grandchildren are in the Chicago area, so that's a high priority for us. Plenty of opportunity to to pursue passions, reading. I enjoy the piano, uh, following baseball, March Madness, mm-hmm. college football, um, hiking. We enjoy some of the <clears throat> excuse me the state parks around. There's a lot of little gems that people don't yes. know about. Yeah, just to go hiking. And uh, we've done some traveling, but COVID has made that a little challenging. So it's really an opportunity to um, experience some of the hobbies that you don't have time so much for. Um, I'm glad you can squeeze in soccer a little bit <laughs> into your yeah. your day, yeah. Johnny, because I think that's that's yeah. a little spice, a little juice that gets you yeah, going, no, doesn't it? And uh, Yeah, my wife would... You know, the, we wrestle with all the time because it, it makes life busy, some of my extra coaching commitments, um, and for the family, for the church, work, whatever. But she always says to me, like, you know, pastors need to have hobbies, you know? And she's like, it's just you usually, like, there's certain things that I'm, she'll sense, I'm like, I'm just grinding this one out. This is... You know, but then I'll come home from some practices with certain teams, and she's like, "Okay, that one gives you life. Like, you just you need to do it. Yeah, you know, you need to do it. And it's mm-hmm. just for a certain number of months. Yes, right. Each it's year. got its so that's so kind like of seasons, like you boundary. said. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's, mm-hmm. I used to do club, which was all year round. Oh, and I I specifically stepped out of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was it wasn't sustainable. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I'm thinking like I'm kind of thinking live time because I with the, just like the each different phases i mean i feel like i'm not quite middle profession i'm almost 40 years old i mean maybe that's 20 to 60 maybe that's kind of middle profession You're I almost guess. man that's, yeah. i'm trying to like put myself in a different game but i guess i need to situate right into that middle profession phase of yeah, life yeah. you're not quite early profession but earlier i guess mm-hmm. um, earlier than me i suppose but i just think it's interesting to like i'm curious like how this all sounds to you yeah. You know, like as you hear retirement, because I, I, I kind of have thoughts as I'm hearing you talk that are coming to my mind. But to you, does it feel like you guys are talking about another country? A little bit. <laughs> little, little kids, bit. early professionals. Right. Like I'm trying not to be like, what is that like? <laughs> yes. That's like I'm, I'm thinking like, this must sound so foreign to Caroline right now. <laughs> so I'm trying to think of better questions than that. But yeah. I am, no, here's actually what I am super curious about. It's like when I move from one season of life to another, it does take me a while to like reset mm-hmm. my brain in a new rhythm. And I mm-hmm. literally just mm-hmm. thought yesterday mm-hmm. about how the way I split up my day, if I'm home with the kids for the day, is I genuinely think of it like before nap time and after nap time. But I can go back into my like even school like high school realm where it's like before three thirty or two thirty when you oh, get out and after two thirty. Yeah, and you can yeah, like yeah. split up yep. the day really mm. easily. Mm-hmm. And so I'm curious how you split up your day. Do you think of it in segments or is it kind of just all one fun water slide? <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I like that that illustration same, there. Same. I have to think about that one a little bit. Like um, we're, we're still climbing up the ladder to get on the slide. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think I might still be on a little bit of a learning curve on that. I've yeah. been retired a little over two years. And um, I think one of the challenge challenges would be how you steward your time. Yeah. And, um, you know, I think when I was younger, I think I would have felt more guilty if I wasn't doing something productive, 
Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, how do you was, get out of that? Carolina, yeah, that's where like, I'm in the heart of that. Part of life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, that's like where we live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's where we live. Yeah, and, and definitely I still want to be productive, but I, I guess maybe I found a little more grace over the years mm-hmm. in God. Um, so, yeah, just to be able to enjoy things, it's a season. Uh, knowing that I worked very hard for many years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's such a thing as a sabbatical. You've yes. heard about that, haven't we, in church, <laughs> yeah, sabbaticals? Yeah. And, yeah. and that, and retirement in some ways is a little bit like a sabbatical mm. after years of work. But, uh, but yeah, having said that, still want to be uh, productive, want to be a blessing. And family's a big part of that. Church is a big part of that. Um, and just trusting that God will will be leading in that. Um, I think contentment is a, is a great, great blessing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that sometimes is, takes us a little while to learn contentment, but uh, it is a blessing uh, when we can be content where God has placed us. And, and part of the idea of seasons um, is that they have certain distinctives uh-huh. don't they different seasons mm-hmm. and uh, and to accept those distinctives um, as part of God's plan mm-hmm. you know life isn't one vanilla right. all the way through we have you know different things at different times so so that's great that's mm-hmm. great yeah yeah I go to um, my go-to person when I am trying to like slow down and reassess is Eugene Peterson. Uh, so he's like, so good. I go back to him all the time. And mm-hmm. it's like, he just like helps remind me. And like the lot of the way, like the way you're talking, it feels like a Eugene Peterson-esque, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Cause I'm even thinking, um, so I actually asked, I haven't read, I've read his autobiography, the pastor, but I haven't read the one he wrote. I think it was before the pastor, the contemplative pastor. So I grabbed Nigel and I'm like, Hey, I usually like for me, books, to like read a whole book, I usually need someone to read it with me. Yeah. Hmm. Or else I'm like, I, I'll take like segments of books and read because I'm interested in like that chapter. Yes. But to like read a whole book, I'm much better. It's more interesting to me to read it with someone. So I'm like, hmm. Nigel, come on, read it with me, would you? <laughs> He's like, all right. Yeah. Um, but I'm, <clears throat> you said something that made me think about the rhythms, both of you maybe actually. Because yeah. I'm thinking there's. Um, macro rhythms and micro rhythms, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And so when you say like retirement is something like a sabbatical, it's almost like we have to think about like the macro rhythms of life where like early phase is like development and learning. And then you're asked to like, you know, invest and lead and then enjoy, you know? And it's like, so then how do you keep those? But like none of those should be in isolation. Mm-hmm. Like you should never stop learning, right? And and you're even leading now, you know, in a different way. So, but then, so how do those like macro things work out in the micro moments mm. of our lives, mm-hmm. in the the rhythms of a year, right? Mm-hmm. How do we sabbatical in the rhythm of a year? We're not going to all do three month sabbaticals every year, obviously, right? But it doesn't mean we can't Sabbath throughout our years, yes. and weeks, and months. Yes. Um, and so that's something. I've been thinking about a lot. I just, um, it's really, I, you know, I actually, I told this to someone, another analogy, sorry. Yeah. Um, I told someone the shorter my sermons are, the better I'm prepared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, because it's the, the longer is like, I just had so much information and I never got enough time to whittle it down to like the really fine points I wanted to. So I guess I, ha- I didn't even notice it, but I had a shorter sermon yesterday. So I was saying it to Matt Frederick and Matt's like, great sermon, man. I'm like, oh, thanks. Like he was like, he's like, Remember, it was short, and I was like, oh, he, he remembers everything. Matt <laughs> Frederick remembers everything I say to him, and he'll, like, pull it, you know. That's hilarious. But it's like, you know, that, that sense of, like, intentionality leads to simplicity, I think, mm. sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I tend to just let everything just kind of, I don't know. That's uh, John Mark Comer, who has been referenced on this podcast by Andy <clears throat> Brandt before. Oh, okay. He's a huge fan of it. Uh, Eugene Peterson is kind of in the same thread, kind of like pull or like uh, bringing the torch forward. What's the, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) Um, And he talks about how when you Sabbath, whether it's like the weekly day or a season of Sabbath, you experience time differently. 
Mm. And I'm just tying that, like what you're saying, back to um, the rhythms of like how you split up a day. Because there is a very real different experience if, even if like my phone's off and I'm not checking the time, Mm. (laughs) you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I'm thinking about like what your daily rhythms are like, and they're probably less every hour on the hour and more like chunks of time. Um, uh, One other thing I was recently listening to is a podcast that talked about how you can have like a maker schedule or a manager schedule and a maker schedule usually splits up your days in half days and you're like more creative energy and thinking and it's like longer Mm. drawn out and manager schedule is more every hour on the hour. Mm. And so it's just interesting how you can, experience time in a more restful state or a more, I mean, both maker and manager are both uh, working, (laughs) but like, and even like a separate category would be um, like a restful experience of time where time is passing, but you're not trying to be accountable to every moment passing. Yeah. You know, um, and this may change for me, Mm -hmm. but Mondays, tend to be a little more micro for me Okay. as I start the week. Yeah. And I have a things to do yeah. sort of list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and I, you know, kind of organize that, and, and I change it during the week too. But but I, I like to, on Mondays as I start the week, kind of knock off a lot of details. And that's where sometimes I'll put down, you know, my daily schedule. Mm-hmm. And it may go something like this. I'll get up, <clears throat> and I'll um, get the paper, have breakfast, and I enjoy. In, in the past, when I was doing um, medicine, I would enjoy doing the jumble in the Chicago Tribune. And sometimes I would do it kind of in my head as I was driving to work. Uh, never had time to do Sudoku. <laughs> which I in, really enjoyed. But now, each day, I do two jumbles from Chicago Tribune, a Sudoku, a, a word boggle kind of thing, and a maze. And it's just kind of a little fun routine for me. Yeah, it's, yeah. They say keeps you sharp. Yeah, you know, when you get old, you yeah, got to go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, enjoy that. Uh, may, may shower, have personal devotions, and do some kinds of, you know, maybe deal with some of the bills and, and some of the practical details, uh, work through that, phone calls, uh, sometimes talked about faith and friends, you know, having to do details related to that. Um, and then the afternoon and evenings might be more free. But I, I do enjoy kind of planning in, I love exploring Chicago. Mm-hmm. So I love to take the L to a certain area. And if, if Peg is so motivated, we'll do it together. And just explore those areas. Yes. So little things like that uh, are fun. Uh, other days, I don't put a lot of yeah. pressure on myself, mm-hmm. and uh, that's that's wonderful too. I would have to say, probably, if we're talking about retirement, uh, it'd probably be good to talk a little bit about tribulations. Mm. And uh, you know, when you look at retirement, I was wondering, you know, is this really going to be kind of like? No worries, no cares, you know. And I thought it doesn't sound Christian or not, you know, just no worries, no cares. But it's kind of tempting, you know. You're no longer carrying the responsibilities. Um, In my case, I was carrying responsibility not only for being a doctor, but I had a business. You know, I had a practice that I had to people that I, I paid, you know, I staff and things like that. So... Being free of that. But I think um, what I found is, you know, tribulations continue into retirement. And and I think that's probably normal and, and good. Those tribulations um, push us into God. Uh, otherwise, you can get kind of lazy, I think. Mm. But it, it kind of really keeps you sharpened and, and um, looking up to God. So I think if there's any kind of idea that retirement is that golden it's time when... You get to heaven. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a, and it definitely is a nice time, especially if you have your health. Um, but I think God realizes even in retirement, you need 
challenges. Mm. And, um, yeah, so I answered my own question. <laughs> retirement has both these wonderful yes. opportunities, but God also allows us to be crowded into him. Mm-hmm. Well, I think there's a, as I look into, um, I feel like ministry has provided me the opportunity to always like look ahead into the next phase of life because I'm always interacting with like a diverse community um, age-wise. And um, one of the things I think that in the retirement phase of life, whether someone's retired or not, though, let's say 65 and up, you have more information about the world, right, Mm -hmm. Uh, than someone my age, right? So you have more information about the world. And so it's hard to not... Like, what do you do with that information mm. for the people you care about, whether it's family, yes. whether it's, you know, church community people, whatever, whatever it is. And um, I think the challenge in that phase is how to not just let it turn into worry. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. And but turn into like. But a lot of times for your phase, it's hard to figure out in my phase I'm seeing you're seeing something in me or Caroline, let's say that you're like this, this probably isn't best for them. How do I talk to them about it without them thinking you're judging us or, you know what I'm saying? And how to like speak into whether it's your children's lives or people's life. And I think that these are such important conversations, but I think what has happened is I think our culture at large has not opened line of communications for those kind of conversations because I think what we value is just advancement in technology. And so as opposed to like learned wisdom and information, right? And so I think in your phase of life, what's happened is our generation has like cut off that wisdom because we're just looking for technology advancement progress, Mm. Mm. you know, as opposed to like total life lived. Mm -hmm. And, And so then what I think your generation is like stuck with is worry, because we're not listening, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think there's like this, like, as you think about tribulations in that phase of life, some of it, I think it just feels stuck because you've seen so much more of life. There is stuff to offer. And I think about this even with my own mom. It, it is hard sometimes. Honestly, it's like I sometimes I just feel like I'm right. And I just need to learn to sit and listen, mm-hmm. you know, and not have to answer back and not have to, but just listen because she's seen stuff I haven't seen. That's just as, like, base- I can't argue with that data. She's just seen more than I've seen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? And so how that, like how we can, <clears throat> as a whole church family, keep a culture or start a culture, I don't know, where those who are in a retirement phase of life are seen as people who have seen more and have stuff to share and talk about. And it doesn't always mean it has to like manipulate everything everyone does, right? But just to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. How do you, when I say all that, what, what comes to Yeah, I, I think that's true. I, and I'll have to say, as somebody that is a little older, we sure don't have all the answers. <laughs> and life is confusing to us, too, at times. <laughs> that's good. Um, but, you know, I think if there's an opportunity for conversation, yeah. that in that conversation, and, it, and on both sides, I think this happens, uh, something can be said that all of a sudden the light goes on mm, mm. and and you realize that's helpful you know that that is part of the key of me working through this issue it may not be the whole thing so i think it works in both ways i think there is a godly part about years of wisdom that you've walked through many different phases challenges where if somebody's been seeking god they've learned some things and I think that can be of value to younger people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah how do, when I, I'm curious your response. What were you thinking? Uh, some of that was a new, new thought for me. <laughs> like I hadn't gone through all of that. Just like even just like the tectonic plates of generational interaction. <laughs> yeah. But it's helpful to have that. Yeah, I I don't have much to add. I'm just a eager listener on that mm-hmm. one. I, I think I'm at a, like a phase for myself where like um, I have confidently charged into most things in life, 
And I think that like this season of life for me is like, um, in so to speak, my prime leadership years, 40 to 60, let's say, mm-hmm. like, ironically, I feel like I'm most being personally called to like being influenced, not just influencing, mm-hmm. you know, but I feel like I've charged into so much in life and I feel like I need to sit and let others before and after me influence you know, yes. and um, so I'm just, you know, as you were saying, it's just. Yeah, no, I, I think that's that's great, Johnny. And um, because it's it's fun to learn, just yeah, that, you know, it's it's part of the, the zest in life. And if we have the humility to be able to hear right. from many different people, we don't have to agree or accept everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But but to have open ears and let God then reinforce what would be appropriate for us at this stage in our life. Yeah. Um, I think that's, and I do think it, I think there is definitely a place for respect for elderly people in scripture. And also the fact that God has done some things. Um, so I think there is a role for uh, younger people to, to sit at their feet to a certain degree. But having said that, as I mentioned before, we can learn also from young people, so it's not a one-way, not a one-way street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As you, um, you know, think about uh, as you, sorry, as you've been explaining retirement and just kind of the phase. What the thing that has stuck out to me um, is uh, receiving the the gift of retirement, and not mm-hmm. you know. So like, I think sometimes we we push back on the gift of Sabbath. Like God yeah. like gave us this gift of Sabbath. Mm-hmm. But we're like, no, God, you don't really know how much I'm needed and how important I am, so I can't rest, right? <laughs> you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. And he's like, that's too bad, you know, because <laughs> I'm giving you this gift. Yes. It's a good word. So it's like a gift of Sabbath. And then the gift of, um, of retirement, um, I'm, I'm, as you were speaking about it, what I was like taking in was, that's, I think that's really what I want. I want to, at whatever age I retire, to be able to retire and have a sense of like satisfaction and completion with a phase. Not over, there's influence and there's opportunity in the phase of retirement, as you described. But I hope for myself <laughs> that I can walk into that phase with a sense of, um, I did the best with what God gave me, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, um, yeah. and like, lean into whatever retirement's going to bring me right. with a sense of like um, not agitation but like receiving and accepting and joy yeah retirement has the potential of fresh opportunities yes uh, new totally. fresh interests yes new fresh people yeah. to meet and develop friendships uh, with so it's a wonderful thing there is a thing in scripture I think that talks about Eventually, sitting under your fig tree, is it? Well, you know, yes. and just kind of, it's a kind of a relax, it's kind of a shalom mm-hmm. a sort of picture. Um, and I think we realize that this earth is not our ultimate fig tree mm. uh, experience, our ultimate mm. shalom, but heaven is. But that's additional confidence that as we move through these phases, that there is a time, and it's a very special time. Um, that God will give us yeah. a combination of retirement, yes, yeah. but also whole new chapters of productivity. So, yeah, yeah. Hmm. I, we've been asking people, kind of in closing, <clears throat> how they view their vocation as like a co-creation with God, mm-hmm. and I realize it's a little tweaked in your particular season of life right now. But how do you view this season of rest? as partnering with God and his rest, too. Mm, mm. I know that's kind of uh, not quite a question, but more like I'm expressing a thought that you just gave me. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, what are your... You know, I probably would need to think about that a little bit more. Yeah. But um, it, it is kind of the... It's a continuation of... I love Psalm 23. Where the Lord is with us, He's our shepherd. Yes. So He's the one that's leading us through all these chapters, all these seasons. So, 
there's that relationship that is in continuum uh, from our years of employment and mm -hmm. schooling and, and, and even before that. So um, as we cooperate with him, uh, even I think to our, our last day on earth, that we will be um, co-laboring with him. Yeah. And it may be just through prayer. Yeah. Mm. yeah. But it's, uh, it's a great privilege. Yeah. I'm thinking about how many years of trust you can look back on and how that you have like a unique intimacy with a father who, who's cared for you through all of these seasons like that. Just sounds beautiful. Yeah. Um, it's like a different knowing than my phase of life knowing. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. I think mm -hmm. there's a wonderful understanding we get through God's scripture. Uh, but there's a, another understanding we get through experience. Yes. Yeah. And that, isn't that correct? Yes. It makes it all very, very personal. I like so. to think of that as improv. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. all improv, most improv musicians or actors went through a season of education on acting and music. Like, some of the best improv musicians are some of the best theorists related to music, right? Because mm -hmm. they just know how everything can... Um, but then at some point, you have to like walk away from the theory and just play. And then you add new musicians and new personalities, and you just have to play. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what the more experience, the better you get. It. And, and I think that's the way that experience in Scripture can play. Like, you, you mm -hmm. have, like Scripture doesn't call us just to be rigid, but mm -hmm. it like wants us to then play out in life and improv. Mm -hmm. And... Mm -hmm. The older and wiser we get, the better we can improv. Yeah, you know, and I, I think the, um, I think James in his epistle hit it right mm -hmm. on the head. Mm -hmm. You know mm -hmm. that I'll, I'll show yeah. you my faith by my works, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, those are works are co-laboring with God works. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so we do it with God. Yeah. Alan, it has been a gift to talk with you yeah. this morning. Same here. <laughs> Thank you so much. And um, I'm like ending this conversation feeling like, how do we like perpetuate these kind of conversations in our congregation, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and people in, and then add a, like throw in a, like a high schooler, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, retirement, middle phase of yes. profession, early yeah. phase of profession, high schooler, mm -hmm. you know, and just talk. I don't even know what the conversation would be, but, you know, yes. and um, I just think there's, you know, because so much I was actually like a lot of times I'm thinking as you're sharing about like Caroline, your phase of life, yeah. you know, little kids. Mm -hmm. Just grinding every second of every yes. day. Full you know? disclosure, sometimes it's hard to see out of the tunnel of like, will yeah. this always yeah. be what it's like? No, yeah. for sure. And that's because I, will I we don't. Will we ever sleep again? I don't feel yeah. like, I mean, I'm meaningfully away from that phase of life, but not that far. And so I feel like I can still yes. kind of taste that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then also like, so in the middle, I feel, you know, so I don't know. It's just, yeah. 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 And, and can then, I respond to you, yes. Caroline, a little bit? <laughs> because I mentioned we have the privilege of living close to our 10 grandkids. And um, All right. so we can, at times, give little sabbaticals to our kids. Yeah, that's true. It frees you up to do Do you know that. what I mean? Mm -hmm. And we enjoy that. Mm -hmm. We enjoy being with the grandkids. But we realize our kids also need a break. Mm -hmm. And uh, mm -hmm. so you talk about, uh, what do you call them, the minis and the macros or something? Yes. Uh, that, yes. that sort of thing. Yeah, we can give those mini sabbaticals, um, which are important, I think, for recharging a battery and for sure. and uh, being able to get back to. We won't call it the grindstone. But. <laughs> you can call it that. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was even soft. Maybe the maybe the helm. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Alan, again, thank you so much for joining us on our podcast this morning. It was a wonderful conversation. 
it is as always for Caroline and I a gift to meet with each person. As like as I'm saying this, I'm like cataloging all the people we've been able to talk with, and so thankful um, for it all. And uh, so Calvary family, for those of you listening in, uh, thank you so much as always for listening in. I hope this has been helpful for you, and I feel. Even if you're not close to retirement, this was a helpful, I think, conversation for so many phases of life. And particularly you're in that near maybe retirement phase or in retirement phase, hopefully this has been especially helpful for you. Thank you for listening and until next time.